What is going on, everybody? Jordy Cannell here. Thank you so much for checking out this episode of the Fun V Tailgate Podcast, presented by Thunderblogsports.com. It is week nine in the NFL. Maddie D and I are here to break it all down. The Mac is back in college football. The Pac-12 is coming back this weekend. We break down everything. We did not have a guest picker, so it's just us. So we expanded to a best of seven instead of five NFL picks. It was a lot of fun to record. Cannot wait to hear what you guys think. As always, though, make sure that you subscribe to the podcast. Search The Bullpen Cart on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Mash that subscribe button. Leave us a nice five-star review. Follow us on Twitter, ThunderBLG. Follow us on Instagram, Thunderblog Sports is where you look up there. And, of course, join our Facebook group, the Bullpen Card Podcast Facebook group. is where you can be a part of the conversation. But enjoy this week's episode. Have a great weekend, everybody. And here we go. week's episode of the Fun V Tailgate Podcast, presented by Thunderblogsports.com, a part of the Bullpen Card Podcast feed. I, of course, am the G-Man, Jordy Cannell. You can hear him rustling in the background. The man, the myth, the legend himself, it is Matty D. Matt Stefano. how are you, my friend? You heard me rustling, I'm getting up. I, I always like, sometimes like to walk and talk, you know, get the old bones moving. And you look a like a bit. pro. You're like Gordon Gecko, but not evil. Like You like to walk and around. You gotta and, you know, strut it. Yeah, sometimes you really Sometimes you gotta strut, strut it. Got to work with your hands a little bit. We need Italian a YouTube thing, channel you know? that's just the Matty D cam. <laughs> you know how like they have the bear cam uh, on College Game Day? Like we need that with you. Yeah, I'll take it. I'll be great. Make make a lot of money for some people. <laughs> I um, I uh, I'm doing I'm doing good. Uh, you know, a lot going on right now. Election stuff obviously is uh, is in full swing on this Wednesday evening. Um, but but we'll stick to sports here. And I think one of the coolest things, this is one of my favorite weeks because the, the Eagles can't lose in a bye week. I'm always <laughs> excited for a bye week. And and the bye week gives me an opportunity to really hone in on red zone, really focus on kind of looking at some other teams. Maybe I haven't been paying as much attention to, you know, in terms of physically watching games because, you know, you've, you've been watching, I've been watching the birds. So always a big fan of bye week week. Um and, and the reprieve it gives me from the mental stress and strain that I get from watching our Philadelphia Eagles on a weekly basis. Um, you know, the only positive is there's an opportunity for the Cowboys to lose again. That always makes me happy. <laughs> well, that's a really good point. I'm uh, with my bye week. I'm going to North Carolina to play some golf. So I'm pretty excited about that. Hitting up uh, a few Love different it. places. So you got to check out Thunderbugs, uh Instagram accounts. I'm going to be getting some Thunder Instas up there. But yeah, that's a really good point. Probably going to be spending a lot of my Sunday of my drive listening to games, checking obviously fantasy and all this different stuff. And it's it's definitely something to be excited about. And obviously we're going to get into college. The Pac-12 is coming back. The MAC is back right now. So we have that going too. The Big Ten got interesting this past weekend. Uh, Penn State-Ohio State game that was a little closer than I think we thought it was going to be. And a number of different wild games out there. So I mean, we, we got a ton to talk about despite no Eagles. And we can jump into the Cowboys game if we want to once we get to the NFL. But it is going to be a fun week to kick off November. Oh, absolutely. And, I mean, to your point, you know, really college football is, is now kind of coming in to focus. Um, I mean, I'm going to start off with the, probably the biggest story in college football, and that is Trevor Lawrence testing, you know, positive for COVID and being forced to, to miss a game that, that normally they probably would have dominated against Boston College. But really, the ripple effect it's going to have as Clemson 
and number four, Notre Dame now go head to head. Uh, this was going to be the biggest challenge for Clemson and the biggest opportunity for Notre Dame. Um, now it becomes a bigger challenge for Clemson. Um, and they've got a lot of talent there still, so it's not out of the question, but it's, it's definitely a ch- kind of a change in our thought process. So, yeah, it, it, you know, shocking. You got the number one overall prospect, the Heisman front runner. You're losing him for two weeks. It's tough for the fans. It's tough for the, for the, for the polls because how do you handle this, right? I mean, if Clemson loses to Notre Dame, what does that mean? What does it do to Clemson's chances of, of being there at the very end? Do they get dinged for missing, you know, because they're missing their Heisman favorite? I mean, it's a huge development in college football um, and shows you the pandemic really creeping into the situation more than, um, than we thought. Yeah, it is definitely something interesting, and, and obviously the pandemic's a little different than if like somebody got hurt, but it, you think last year or like Tua was hurt with Alabama. Obviously, they lose to LSU. They lost anyway. Uh, that LSU team ended up being incredible, but like they were still around in the conversation there while Tua was missing games, and they were holding on. So it definitely does become this very interesting question with how this week goes, and, and you bring up Notre Dame, and it, I feel like we'd be remiss to not mention that Notre Dame is actually – at least looks like they're actually this solid team. Their defense looks incredible. Their offense could use some help. So we'll see what they do against a a Clemson team. That still is a very solid team, even without Trevor Lawrence and a a blue chip recruit at at quarterback who looked pretty good. It seemed against Boston college, obviously it was a, you know, um, not Trevor Lawrence and not this dominating run that we thought they were going to be on. But what I think would be really interesting is if they do lose to Notre Dame, and if Notre Dame does it convincingly, like their defense is all over it and shows that, hey, even if even if Trevor Lawrence was here, we shut down Travis Etienne and, and so on and so forth, that if they jump into the top four and the wagon that you've firmly hitched yourself behind, Matt, the Cincinnati Bearcats, if they keep pushing, is it possible that we get three Midwestern teams either vying for one or two spots or potentially three college football playoff spots? Because the Big 12 is kind of playing itself out of this. And we have no idea what's going to happen in the Pac-12. Am I crazy to think right. that? Or is this just me with my tinfoil hat? Or do you think there's some validity no, in that theory? I mean, there's certainly an opportunity there. I think the one thing to note is there's still so much football to be played. Ohio State did pass a big test um, you know, this past week against Penn State. Alabama is going to have a number of tests still on the schedule, even though I know they've looked dominant so far. Um, and there's always going to be that one kind of weird loss out there. Uh, to kind of see how that goes. Um, I think this, you know, the one thing to note is, you know, with Cincinnati being 5-0 and and, and be, having an opportunity to move up a little bit, you know, they're definitely rooting for some certain teams. And we haven't really talked about if there's a one-loss team that kind of maybe has an opportunity to, to kind of leapfrog up into this group. Um, and, and it's why this Clemson-Notre Dame game is so critical and why it's circled. Because at the end of the day, if you're a one-loss Notre Dame or a one-loss Clemson, and your only loss is is you know is to, to the other top three team or top two team, you can have a really good argument why you should also be in the playoff, especially if you're Clemson and you didn't have Trevor Lawrence. So, yeah. but I don't think you're crazy to think that. I still think it's a long shot for Cincinnati. Unfortunately, it's still going to take some some major developments um, because a lot of these one loss teams like Georgia, Texas, A and M, Florida. Those are, to me, the big ones. Have yeah. an opportunity to play some other big games. You've got one this weekend 
that can kind of reset the playing field for them and provide them with a high-quality win to jump them over, even an undefeated and, and an underrated to me, Cincinnati. But it's too big of a name and too big of a conference to kind of let them be held down. So I, I think that's kind of where the focus needs to be. If you are the SEC, uh, you have opportunities here if, if a couple teams you know, take care of business and win. Yeah, that's a really good point. And I think it's it's worth noting that there's also the ACC championship game. So presumably, you know, say Notre Dame does win this weekend, Clemson would go back to face them and the, the narrative of beating a team that you lost to and presumably Trevor Lawrence is healthy and is, is there then because he's been somehow is the only one that, that got COVID and has been isolated. Apparently he lives alone. He lives with his either girlfriend, fiance, maybe even fiance, fiance. fiance? Okay. Um, yeah, he lives with her and, and that's why I guess that was to nobody else. But um, so you're thinking that that game figures itself out. So, you know, there's the idea that, that they could do that. Or if Notre Dame does win twice, you know, that's, it's all good stuff there, but that you mentioned it. There's some, uh, some good games on the board this weekend that really are going to kind of shake things up and improve what's, what's going on throughout this, you know, throughout this landscape. So I'm pretty excited to look at it. Is there any other games that we kind of missed from last week to touch up upon before we look at week 10 in college? Yeah, I, I think, uh, uh, first of all, a couple uh, kind of games that, that, that shakes, shake things up the, Texas defeating Oklahoma State, you kind of mentioned it when you were discussing who do you think, you know, has a shot. And the Big 12 playing itself out of it, it's a tough overtime loss for Oklahoma State, who really needed to just come out and beat a Texas team that I know is ranked again, but quite frankly, it is not a powerhouse. That's a huge loss for them. Uh, and then Kansas State also falls to West Virginia, a game I really didn't see them losing, but I know I know that Vegas liked that line and, and had West Virginia favored. So um, that, to me, those two games really just negatively have affected any opportunity that we're going to have um, for the Big Ten, Big 12, excuse me, to have anybody in the college football playoff. It's going to take a miracle. Uh, it's probably going to take Oklahoma State running the table now to even give them, get them in the opportunity you know, get in, in the conversation uh, for that spot. So unexpected, not really. The Big 12 has done this to themselves. It's really it's been Oklahoma or nothing for them. Uh, they haven't traditionally had kind of another school that can fill in. So, you know, big deal for Oklahoma State losing. It's not a crippling loss, possibly. But again, now the margin for error in the Big 12 is is, is basically zero. Yeah, it's pretty wild. Yeah, I, uh, and I had the college football or playoff game show, whatever the hell it's called, on in the background while I was watching election stuff last night. And they showed like 1% for any Big 12 team to get into it, which I don't know if that's a little premature. I know it's computer numbers and everything, but because we don't know what's going on, obviously the closest team to even getting there is still Oklahoma State at 14. But we've seen this before where a team can can jump through the rankings and an undefeated Oregon or an unplayed Oregon is ahead of them number of undefeated teams, including BYU, who I feel like, uh, I don't know if that's a team that we should be kind of, if we're kind of forgetting about them because Cincinnati looks so good. Um, and because Coastal Carolina got a huge glow up on college game day. I don't know if you saw that, but all this different stuff. Um, obviously there's plenty of room for mistakes to be made all over the board. Some teams, you mentioned the one lossers, uh, have opportunities to prove themselves, but could also play themselves out of this very quickly as well. So I don't know if it's 1% for the Big 12. I don't like their odds, and I wouldn't bet on a team making it. But, uh, it's yeah, it's you, you kind of need to see some serious perfection and utter dominance from Oklahoma State if you want them to have a shot to get in. 
Yeah, and I think the other thing that, that that's been that the other game I wanted to mention is Ohio State visits Penn State, but it's really a muted a muted experience I think across the board um, with with Beaver Stadium being empty. Um, it's it's a different environment, you know, and, and I think it really allowed Ohio State to, to not have the same issues it would normally have on the road. Um, any team that would have on the road. So it's the first game I've really felt like I've, I've felt like COVID really negatively affected the ability uh, at, because Penn State and, and their home field advantage is pretty severe at times. Um, you know, in terms of getting loud, it really inhibits the opposing team's offense to an extent. I do think, unfortunately, um, you know, our guys decided not to show up either. Michigan losing again to Michigan State, um, embarrassingly, honestly. Uh, and And now you're looking at the the Big Ten and Ohio State is clearly head and shoulders above Penn State and Michigan. Wisconsin is floating around, but honestly, at this point, Ohio State's kind of inserted itself as as a as the title contender out of the Big Ten um, with a dominating win over over Penn State. Michigan losing, um, you know, and and a number of other issues, and, and Wisconsin barely even playing, you know, at this point with some of their COVID issues. So they're ten. So they're not out of it, but they need to play football, unfortunately, and there's nothing that anybody can do to, to help them there. Yeah, so. it is unfortunate, and that was another topic that got brought up of how many games is the committee going to think is a necessary number because Pac-12 is only playing seven games. The Big Ten, you know, you need six to be bowl eligible, and you need, you know, uh, and I don't know. It's it's going to be something crazy that if Wisconsin doesn't figure this out, that yet they may inadvertently play themselves out of it, but it also becomes a question that if they are in this holding pattern in, in the top 10 or even if they fall lower and lower and lower into the rankings, of how does that affect the back end of it with the Big Ten championship game? Because are they even eligible? A, are they eligible to get there? B, if they end up playing six games or however many games, you know, how does that affect their ranking and all this sort of stuff to get to the, to the Big Ten championship game? And if it is this contested where... You know, obviously Notre Dame and Clemson is going to be figured out this weekend, and it'll be figured out again with an ACC championship. But if it's Georgia, Alabama, or Georgia beats an undefeated Bama, like how does that kind of affect things with the Final Four and how they go from there? I would think they'd put Ohio State, regardless of who they beat in the Big Ten championship, into this. But if it needs to become split in hairs, who knows? Right. Yeah. Upsets all over the place. Again, it's all a little different this year because the kind of lack of fans. But, um, you know, still out there, still interesting. Um, and still so much to follow and so much intrigue because because of it, you know. Um, and, and I think we're going to kind of continue. And, and, and it, you know, you had mentioned um, this week being – we were talking about this week being big. And, and the fact that, that really we need – now, I'm going to screw up his name, but you had mentioned the blue, trip, blue chip prospect for Clemson. DJ – uh, I think it's Ugo Laleli, but I yes. could have gotten that yeah. horrible. Ugo Did yeah. I get that? Okay, I think. But hey, I'm not. You know, um, I was not watching the Clemson Boston College game. I had some other things going on. So yeah, I, a little closer we, than we would have liked. Well, it's true. I mean, but it makes sense. He settled in. So the question is, has he settled in? Is he feel like? Does he feel like more comfortable in the offense? Is he going to be able to make a make some of the throws that they expect of a, of a blue trip prospect in a huge game? And can Clemson lean on Travis Etienne, and can he have success against a really good Notre Dame defense? Look, I think the answer is yes. Clemson is still favored, by the way, by five. I think the big difference this year is they don't have the same offensive firepower on the outside. At least the the big names are gone, right? T. Higgins in the NFL. Justin Ross out for the season. 
those are those are big deals. You, you lost a lot of talent on the outside. Not that the guys that have there aren't blue chip, but they're not the same level. Yeah, it's so worth they're going to need ETM. ETM as their leading receiver last week. Right, and by the way, he's that talented. Like he should be their leading receiver, if you will. Um, he's this is his opportunity. This is his Heisman moment right now to me because he's kind of not gotten the buzz maybe he deserves from the Heisman. You know, the Heisman odd makers. And I think if he has a really great game against Notre Dame. And I expect the Notre Dame offense to struggle against a really talented Clemson defense. Um, that that's going to be a huge a huge area to watch too. But if ETN can have his moment, you know, you think of like Derrick Henry or, or Mark Ingram and some of the stuff they've done for Alabama and kind of their moment, whether it's a big play, a big a big move. This is his opportunity against a really good Notre Dame team. Yeah, I, I totally agree, and that's a really good point on a uh, ETN and his Heisman buzz. I don't know if it's just because of Trevor Lawrence. You know, it almost seemed like you know lock and key throw it away because he was you know the the not undisputed because Justin Fields would like a word with that but you know if it seemed like a two-horse race and I feel like because quarterbacks have been the you know the the sexy pick over the last couple of years that that's the, that was why I'm not sure do you think that's part of it um look I, I have a big problem in general with, with with the amount of love that quarterbacks just get um I, I wish we would see some diversity in terms of choosing, you know, different different Heisman winners, whether it's defensive player, wide receiver, you know, a running back, um, just because they can put up the most gaudy stats. You know, do I think Joe Burrow deserved the Heisman last year? Absolutely, I do think he was the best peer player in college football. But there have been other years where there's been a really talented running back, um, a really talented wide receiver. Think of some of the guys that have come through recently, and you're like, wow, that guy didn't even get, you know, invited to New York, um, or some of these super talented defensive defensive linemen in particular linebackers yeah i'd like to see one of them win i I don't always agree that the most valuable player is the one that that, that's under center uh across the board you could argue that a guy like aaron donald in the nfl should get more mvp votes than he does but it always seems to be these these three or four quarterbacks you know um i think that kind of i don't know i don't i don't necessarily know if i I agree with with the way they handle that yeah it's a good point and i don't know it's uh it's always interesting to see how the Heisman goes through their uh, thought process every year. Um, but yeah, I think this weekend with them obviously playing Notre Dame, it's going to be a huge test. We talked about it a little bit that I feel like both sides have something to prove here. So it should be a very entertaining game. Um, we mentioned at the top, the Pac-12 is back. The Mac is currently coming back right now. They're playing games. A bunch more about to kick off. It's about 6.45 as we're recording this now. But the Pac-12, we have Oregon sitting up in the rankings as a non-playing team, and obviously we had this with Ohio State too before the the Big Ten came back, what do we want to believe about Oregon as they come into this season? You know, they have the 7.30 game on ABC against Stanford. Matt, give us a little breakdown of this team. Well, first and foremost, there's nothing wrong with where they're ranked. Um, at, at, you, know, you know, Big Ten had teams ranked before they started to play, uh, you know, kind of, you know, so on and so forth. Um, they're... You should like Oregon is definitely. I don't know if they're. I guess the word back is what I'm looking for. Um, you know, after kind of the post chip Kelly era, uh, you know, they had a little bit of a stumble, but this team is back to doing what they do best. Classic Pac-12, right? You know, tons of speed, tons of swagger from Oregon, right? They're a Nike. They're, they're the, um, they're the Nike factory, um, and I think you should expect some some pretty great play from them. You know, the big question mark though is what are they going to do? They lose Justin Herbert. And so how can they make up for that? Now, before I even get there, because I do want to make sure uh, 
I, I'm always a draft guy, right? So I want to make sure I can always bring in a little bit of draft day stuff and we're having the conversation in regards to in regards to college football. Um, arguably a arguably the number one overall talent, potentially. I understand Trevor Lawrence is out there. I'm not, I'm not dis, dis, disrespecting him, but uh, Penny Sewell is an offensive tackle for Oregon. Um, this guy is pretty much everything you would want in an offensive tackle. Outland Trophy winner last year. Um, this guy has an opportunity to be a top three draft pick. In fact, there's a chance he could go number one overall if a, cer- if a certain team that you know maybe already has a young quarterback, say the Bengals, end up with the worst record uh, you know in the year. He would make perfect sense to kind of head there. Um, but the, you know he's a big time player for them um, and somebody to definitely keep an eye on. It's very rare, right? I just talked about how always always quarterbacks win the Heisman. It's kind of neat when you get to when you get to watch maybe an offensive lineman. I'm saying is maybe tune in at seven o'clock, see a couple plays he's got out there, um, and, and kind of see what he can do in that regard. Uh, but the big question is, and I, sorry, I got a little off track with my draft talk, so I oh, do apologize. All good. I had to put um, myself on mute because there was a, I don't know if it was a cop, an ambulance, or oh. what. If you so uh, you may have heard the sirens Perfect at the start, timing. and I, I muted myself. Oh, I didn't hear there. it. I didn't hear it. Okay, cool. So cool. T- yeah. So Justin Herbert leaves. He's had obviously has a ton of success right now in the NFL. I shouldn't say winning, but he's playing well in the NFL for the for the Los Angeles Chargers. But uh, Tyler So is going to take over. He is a leader, but he doesn't have the same arm strength or um, unreal ability, maybe that that Justin Herbert had in a pure sense. Uh, but he is he's going to have to play better right away. Um, now, Anthony Brown comes over from Boston College as well. He's had a couple injuries over there, but he has some experience. He, you know, can do a little bit more. And the positive to having him there is now both quarterbacks should feel okay with playing and taking hits. And 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 um, Cristobal, the coach out there, should be comfortable if, if something happens that he's got a good backup there in Anthony Brown. So we'll kind of we'll kind of go from there. Um, they've got a ton of speed, like we talked about, um, but they do have to replace some additional starters in the offensive line. So we'll kind of figure that out from there. I will mention one more. Kayvon uh, Thibodeau is a defensive end. Number one, I think was he the number one overall prospect in all of college football recently? Anyway, big time defensive end prospect. I think he has another year or two before he another year before he can come out, but um, absolutely a guy to watch for on a pretty underrated defense. Awesome. So what are their chances to getting into the playoff? Do they have to they obviously have to go undefeated, probably. But is there any <laughs> shot? depending on how things are shaking out right absolutely. now? Absolutely. Well, I would say absolutely because, well, here's the hard part. There's such an abbreviated schedule that they don't technically have a ranked team on their schedule. Stanford, Washington State, UCLA, Oregon State, Cal, and Washington. Washington down. Stanford good, but not ranked. Cal, UCLA, Washington State, all up in the air. Um, and Oregon State should be an easy win. So they can run that table, but it's going to be tough, I think, if there's – if there's four other undefeated teams, I don't think they have a shot. Okay. I know they they complain, you know, but I I think it's going to be really challenging for them to make it. If there's a one loss team, it's going to depend on who. Uh, if Notre Dame gets blown out by a Trevor Lawrence list Clemson, I think I would say Oregon over them. Um, if you know Ohio State slips up, maybe, but that's still going to be tough because they're going to have a lot of pedigree wins, and I think the SEC is a problem. Um, the only other, maybe I could see like an Oklahoma State one loss getting bumped by an undefeated Oregon, but it's going to be really challenging for the Pac-12 this year. Yeah, that's a. So I guess if you're gun to my head, my answer is no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'd probably uh, sadly agree with you there because it's definitely um, 
not a lot of uh, wiggle room, to put it there. Mm-hmm. They'd probably need some form of chaos, and sadly, it's just probably just a matter of them getting to the party a little late. If they'd started a little earlier, they're probably finding themselves in the mix a little bit. Um, that's not to say that if they're undefeated, that it that you know it's not a shot that they that it's not like they don't have a gripe with it, especially if it's like them an undefeated Cincinnati or BYU or hell even Coastal Carolina. That that'd be a fun plot line. Um, just really love that segment on College Game Day, but I'm excited to see what this team looks like because you're right; they have some some highly touted players. So it's gonna be fun to see them. You know, it's gonna be a good game. I think. Um, really, though, outside of that, you know, USC is ranked. That's the only other team in the Pac-12. We may find ourselves with this. I feel like we always see this with the Pac-12 that they always kind of backdoor their way into getting teams in the high teens, low twenties by the end of the college football playoff ranking. So who knows what we'll end up seeing here because we do have a lot of non-power five teams hanging out there a lot of them are undefeated so they rightfully have a place in the rankings but uh you know i feel like if one of them loses like marshall or coastal carolina or or whomever loses we might see you know some teams drop and see what ends up happening there because there are some pretty solidly ranked teams and some unranked teams that i feel like could do some damage like kansas state has had a great season so far and obviously we were just talking about the, the big 12 not having a ton of shot for it but they're playing oklahoma state this weekend so if they win you would think they'd end up becoming ranked or getting back into the rankings. But, you know, we'll see what happens. And if they're close, you know, we'll see. Uh, um, yeah, I know. I mean, I, and I agree. It, it's just going to take, you know, chaos will always rain anyway, but it's definitely going to take a little bit of a uh, little bit of chaos, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah. So what other games on the, on the slate this weekend should we be keeping an eye out for? Obviously, yeah. 7.30 NBC going against that Oregon game. That's the big one. Number one versus number four. There's a few other, you know, ranked teams in action. I just mentioned Oklahoma State. Technically, Michigan and, and Indiana is the only other ranked game out there. But I don't know. I feel like there's hang some on. other games here that. Uh, so that wait, wait, hang on. There's definitely unless I missed something. There's definitely another game. Oh, I don't BYU, know you, BYU. Just, oh, BYU. Wait, wait, or Boise did, State too. Did I did I miss? No, no. There, did you say the SEC game? Did I just blank on that or no? Um. Top ten matchup. I I'll this. go for it. I don't think you said it. No, I haven't so said Florida it. Florida and Georgia are going head to head this weekend. Oh yeah, there they are. Georgia, oh shit, I did miss Florida. that. Yeah, that's yeah. my bad. No, this is a. And we just talked about one loss teams. This is a seismic battle for these two because the loser's out. The winner, at least, stays in the conversation for any kind of potential run at the playoff. I feel like um, it has to be Georgia both though. Teams. Not, not this isn't like a pick or anything, but like, I don't know if Florida has like the. The it factor. If they're like, I get it, they're a one-loss SEC team that's going to play Alabama in the SEC championship. But like, I don't know if they have the it factor to like really draw the uh, the committee's attention. You know. Well, I, I think I think what I would say, you know, is this. It, it, the, the, your point. The hard part is that Florida, that that you know, Georgia had a shot and they got thumped by Alabama. Now Alabama no longer has Jalen Waddle. I think that's an important note. Um, although Devontae Smith looks amazing. Um, I think both these teams are still going to struggle because at some point in time, they're going to have to get by the big dog. And I don't know if either team can. Um, that's always going to be the tough part about being in the SEC. Mm-hmm. So you got to beat Alabama. Um, and honestly, Mac Jones is now on probably the Heisman favorite. Justin Fields a close second. Um, so, I, look, I think people sleep a little bit on Florida because they've had some struggling years. Kyle Trask is a little real deal quarterback, very good player. They obviously have a good defense. Florida always has a good defense. So I, I certainly think that they maybe maybe they just need to be play some games on a big stage. They lost to a really talented Texas A&M team, so it's kind of hard to knock them there. 
but um, it, it's it's still a huge game because a one loss. The thing with this year, it's COVID, so you have no idea what's going to happen. What if you know Alabama has an issue and and they lose Mac Jones, they lose a couple guys, and they 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 lose. I mean, so to me, every game is critical for that reason. I probably like Georgia here, though, as much as I just kind of talked half talked up Florida. Um, I think the Bulldogs are pissed. I think Kirby Smart knows that he actually, honestly, might be leaning. Not even, maybe he gets a little bit of a pass this year, but the guy might be leaning on to being on the hot seat because at the end of the day, you aren't hired to win games. You're hired to beat Alabama, mm-hmm. and he hasn't been able to do it consistently. So um, it's a big game for both teams, but Absolutely. I'm going to give the slight edge to Georgia. It's at Georgia, so I think that matters. Um, yeah, I would yeah. think so too. I know, uh, you know, we're go- we're going to pick soon, but yeah, that's definitely a good one. Good call out that I missed that entirely. Uh, what I all do right. now, a little inside, little inside baseball for you all, for the listeners. I just put out the entire FBS schedule because previously there were not that many games because the Big Twelve wasn't back or the Big Ten wasn't back, Pac twelve wasn't back, the MAC wasn't back. But Matt, we have a full schedule, so it's very easy for things <laughs> to slip through the cracks, which is great. Oh, I it's agree. good shit. I can probably go back to the yeah. unranks, but there are some good, not, you know, matchups of non-ranked teams. Duke and UNC, the rivalry we all love on the football field. That's this weekend. Well, you honestly really thought it would be a bigger game for UNC. Um, UNC losing to UVA last Yeah, yeah, uh, they've kind of taken a step back. This feels so, like that UNC team yeah. when when Mitch Trubisky was there, though. That like they throw up a ton of points, but their defense can't stop anybody. I mean, yes, and that's something where I think Mac Brown is still kind of developing that program. They kind of got jumped up on quick. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I do agree that they're not particularly great there. Yeah, and then, um, yeah, I mentioned BYU-Boise State. That that and uh, Michigan and Indiana round out the matchups of ranked teams. Um, Michigan-Indiana is going to be fun, I think. Indiana at that interesting 2-0 I hope mark. it's not fun. Okay, I hope Michigan just wins, but go on. <laughs> well, for one, Michigan's a favorite in this game. Indiana always a tough home out, as Penn State can attest. Uh, you know, maybe the, maybe there's something in the re- the referee's room when they show up. I don't know. But uh, <laughs> I'm just kept kidding. I didn't mean to. Uh, if I'm getting you a little triggered, bad, I didn't mean to. But uh, it's all right. I'll I think it's going to be. I it's going to be a good game. Um, over under set at fifty four and a half, which. I get it. Indiana's offense looked pretty good in the first two weeks, but that feels like a lot of fucking points. Or maybe I'm just being like a little, little down after Michigan's poor play last week against Michigan State. Yeah, I mean, uh, I don't know. Look, Khakis is on the hot seat. It's oh, a thousand percent. You should. I... Michigan State looked horrible against yeah. Rutgers in Week One. You should not uh-huh. have been. They shouldn't have been anywhere close in that game. If you're this, like, I agree. A, you have Doc Brown. You have this unreal defense. Or you're supposed to have this unreal defense. They got dummied around last week, and the offense is just all over the board. And it has been the entire time he's been there. It's nuts. Yeah, and and look, the thing is, this was kind of going to be a little bit of a tough year for Michigan because of their their youth. They don't have a lot of upperclassmen, a lot of younger guys, which is a good thing. But that's why you lose to Ohio State or Penn State, not to Michigan State. Horrible against his rivals, and it's a huge problem. We just talked about how Kirby Smart, you know, his seat is his seat is is not hot, but but there's definitely probably uh, there's murmurs amongst the boosters down there because he can't beat Alabama. Well, guess what? Jim can't beat Mich can't even beat Michigan State, let alone Ohio State. He's like one in six against Michigan State. That's not acceptable. 
Um, I want it to work out so bad. I, I, I think he's just the perfect guy there, but he clearly can't figure it out. And I don't know what it is because it seems like, you know, at first he couldn't get a quarterback, had a great defense, couldn't get a quarterback, you know, thought he got a quarterback and Shea Patterson clearly wasn't the answer. Um, they've got all kinds of problems there and, and I don't know how to have, I don't know how to get them to fix it. Um, but their defense. And so now when their defense isn't as good, that's a struggle. Um, and it shouldn't be like that. They should be able to put up the same amount of points as an Ohio State. They're not even competitive at this point. I wouldn't be surprised if he was gone sooner than later. Yeah, which would be unfortunate because there was so much buzz around it, you know, over the course of the, you know, what is this? This is sixth season, right? Uh, and it, I, think, it I, been, I don't know. I mean, six, five or six. Yeah. 15 was when was the really bad Michigan State, the muff punt and all that. I don't know if that was his first year or not. Um so that would be – it's either six or seven then. I'm trying to think too. Maybe like, his first year. I don't remember. Yeah, I don't remember if it was his first year or his second year. Because uh, I'm trying to think like when was all the weird shit with uh, how he like le- how he left the 49ers and it was like – they almost announced that he was the Michigan coach before he actually left the 49ers. Remember how all that went down? I'm trying to think when that happened. I, no, I do. I do. I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to put the – We could easily Google this. did Chip Kelly this. come in behind him at the – did Chip Kelly – Yeah, Chip Kelly was after him because it was – it might have been – was he – did Chip Kelly f- immediately follow him? Did he get fired from the Eagles and then go right to the 49ers? No, I feel like there was one guy in between for like a year or two. Yeah, oh, yeah, because Chip Kelly was right? – was Chip Kelly was the Eagles coach in 2015. Uh, right, right, right. But I remember who – hmm. I remember who it was. What was Jim Bob Cooter, their coach? Was that who was in, be- in between them? No. Uh, wait. I, no, not there. Uh, he was the head, was or, no, he was the interim, wasn't he? Maybe. One think. of them got fired. I'm like looking this up now. Man, fucking 49ers, man. They just have too much history. Their Wikipedia page is too long. Head coach. I mean, you're not wrong there. They, they do have a ton of history. Some of it weird. Some of it great. They, I mean, think about what they've been involved with. Maybe we should talk about that one day. Anyway, um, I think it's kind of interesting, right? You think of Harbaugh and Chip Kelly both come to the NFL and have some kind of success at times. Now both are back in college, and not only is – Jim struggling, but Chip at UCLA hasn't figured it out. I'm shocked. I really thought that would be a big time program pretty quick. Right, so uh, but never has hasn't yet cut it's early, only like two or three years in, but I think still, it's year two, really right? Thought UCLA. With, with Kelly at year, UCLA. I think it's year I think it's year three. It's year three. All right, so Harbaugh was two thousand ten to two thousand fourteen. So fifteen was his first year at Michigan. And then yeah, Jim Tom Sula was there. That's who I was thinking, not Jim Bob Cooter. Jim Tom Sula was uh Man, these weird uh, three three syllable last names. He was the coach after Harbaugh, and then he was there for two years. It looks like, and then uh, Chip Kelly came in in 2016, so he had a year off. I don't even then... remember. I don't even remember that Sula guy. Like I got nothing. I usually yeah. know something about coaches. I got nothing. Fifteen, they went five and eleven. That's like what that was. Kaepernick's last year as a starter, and he like was not very good. Um, right. Which, uh, you know, then obviously 16 happened. Uh, then Chip Kelly came in, all that sort of stuff. Uh, then Kyle Shanahan came in in 2017. So he's been there ever since. And they've been, they've been much better and you know, he might be the best young coach in football. Been a lot better. So <laughs> I forgot that Reggie Bush played for, for the, for the, the 49ers in that year. Like I thought he did been out of the NFL for so much longer than five years. I mean, he, it's so Reggie Bush is so funny to me because, I mean, first of all, all world, right? Then remember he doesn't go number one overall, and then he, he kind of was 
not living up to that number two, two pick billing, but he wasn't a bad player. No. Um, yeah. Kind of a weird career. But anyway, sorry. I'm, I'm reminiscing. Well, Mario about Williams definitely like, he, yeah, the, the Texans got a, got a good deal out of Mario Williams in that, uh, that 2006 draft. Yeah. And that was like the, one of the first NFL drafts. I remember like really paying attention to too. Oh man. Mm-hmm. The origin stories of a young G man. <laughs> well, anyway, so since we're talking about the NFL, Let's go over to picks. We do not have a guest this week, so we're doing this in order. We did a little inside baseball a couple weeks ago, but for those that don't know, Matt and I usually record with the the guest picker beforehand and then come and record this part of it and then the the after picks part. But we don't have a guest. A little old school for you. But we're still doing the the head-to-head. So instead of doing five NFL picks, we're going to do seven and still do a college game. So instead of the six, it's going to be eight this week. Matt, last week... Not our best week. Darn it. You went two and four. Your Cincinnati pick was your was the, the saving grace there. Um I didn't do much better. I went two and three in the NFL. I need to see if A and M covered or not. But Ryan White, a uh, a dismal showing going one and four in the NFL, or actually one and five. OSU did not cover the twelve the twelve point spread. Um by the way, so we were talking about this offline. The bad beat segment on SVP. Which I'm surprised you'd never heard of, because Al Michaels did talk about it during the Eagles game. I mean, I'm sure I've seen it, by yeah. the way. Just it didn't so, pop in my mind. So they mind, show yeah. the highlights, but with the gambling aspect in mind. If, and if any of you have never seen the bad beats, it's Monday night after the Monday night football game. It's usually about a half hour into the program because they wrap up Monday night football. So they talk about Ohio State and Penn State. The they were five points away at the start of the fourth quarter from hitting the over, or maybe a little more than that. But they got to within one point. For this game, because Penn State went for two, and it did not hit. It took there was eleven minutes left in the game. Ohio State dinged one off the crossbar because Penn State kept going for two. They didn't cover, and they didn't hit the over. But the really bad one was ECU Tulsa. Have you seen? Did you see the highlight of this game? I did not. No. So for those that don't know about this, the the American had to come out and say the refs fucked up. So Tulsa. Oh, I heard that they. I heard they mentioned there was a mistake, but yeah. I didn't. Okay, real, go on, so, go on. So, the line was already. Told, uh, ECU was a huge dog, and it was covering it anyway. But they're winning the game. They're winning the football game, and the and it is six points away from the over under. It's fourth and ten, and Tulsa goes for it. Obviously, you think they get it? The ball comes out. They don't say it's a fumble. And they keep, the refs keep fucking up of saying that a guy was down and he wasn't or that the ball, came, you know, the guy fumbled and they say the ball wasn't out, he was down. And it's very clear the ball was like he was bobbling it as he's coming down. It is absurd. And they end up scoring a touchdown with like 14 seconds left. That pushes the over-under and they kick the field goal to win the game by like four points and go over. It is one of the more absurd bad beats. And they had to talk about the, the American came out and said there was a huge mistake. This should have been nowhere close to it. And ECU should have won this game. And they had this running back who just was barreling over dudes. But at one point, he did fumble the ball. And they said that he was down by contact. And the ball was, like, out of his hands before his knees were anywhere t- close to touching the ground. It was absolutely absurd. It's I'm not sure if bad beats are on YouTube. They should be. It's, it's absurd. You should go look this up. Because the best is, like, SVP and Stanford Steve is one producer. His main producer has been with him forever. They go completely nuts and they act like as if they really 
were gambling on this, of, of freaking out about it. And it is so much fun to see. And they they did that too with the Monday night game with the two point conversion and the, the flag that turned into a no flag. And Stanford Steve just really you you can get his you get his thoughts immediately on a instant replay of <laughs> glad we get to see it in slow mo. Um which we want to talk about that about just terrible refereeing before we get to picks in the NFL this this past weekend. Um I mean like, I'm not going to harp on the rest, okay? It's not in my blood, all right? I don't know if I can do it. They make mistakes. They're human. You know, it doesn't suck sometimes. Sometimes I think we blow it out of proportion, too, you know? Um, sometimes I think, you know, you, you think about you blame uh, the Saints. The Saints, we always blame the, the ref for the Saints not winning. Now, again, hey, I agree. If they don't miss the call, they call pass interference in the field. Saints win the game. But Saints defense also could have stopped them. I don't know. I, I go back and forth how I feel about, um, you know, referees and, and and do we hold them accountable and whatnot. I'm back and forth on it. So just sure. I'm being completely honest. Um, yeah, I, I, why I, we I, I won a fantasy matchup because yeah. I had the Eagles defense. And then saying that the Eagles – that, that, that uh, the Eagles weren't – that Vinny Curry wasn't down when he got the ball uh, and it popped out. Right. That, you know, I won because of that. So, you know, there's that's a good fuck up. But near the end of that Monday Night Football game, I thought it was a good no call. A lot of people disagreed with me on Twitter of saying that, uh, you know, what or I didn't get any arguments. But I saw a lot of people pissed off that, you know, that, you know, the arm was there and all this sort of stuff. And be, because it hit his arm and it wasn't really that catchable of a ball, I thought it was a good no call. But I don't know. I, look, I thought it was too. If I'm being honest, yeah. I, I thought it was a great no call. It was, it was bang bang. It was right in the money. And by the way, if the ball is thrown better, it's an easy exactly. Catch. That's on Daniel Jones. He waited yeah. too long. So he was wide mm-hmm. open. And then what's his face? The the Tampa guy. I'm forgetting the D backs name, and I'm sorry, but he came over and he defended him well. And I get his arm is is it's not really holding him, but it's it's right there and it's in the play. But you mentioned it. It's a bad throw. But it, and again, if and if you're watching it full speed, it's not like it's that early. Exactly, I mean, it's right on. Exactly. It. So, um, mm-hmm. that's what I would say. And uh, you know what? Too, Giants had plenty of opportunities to win that game well before Tampa Bay did not come out with their best stuff. No, and they didn't Daniel do it. Jones. Daniel Jones was mediocre at best, and he had some good plays. He did the he did the best Eli Manning impression earlier in that that last drive where he should have been sacked. They convert on fourth down. And I even I this is a tweet I'm very proud of saying Tom Brady going oh not this again, <laughs> which I have to think you know he made the comment about the Eagles haunting his nightmares during the golf match back in the the start of the quarantine you know he the Giants have to be a bigger a bigger like villain or a bigger phantom in his in his nightmares than the Eagles are Nick Foles I think they're pretty close I don't think he likes anything up on the uh, on the Jersey Turnpike so yeah probably not um, all right well we've been. BS and long enough. Let's get into picks. Mention it. Terrible week. It's in the rearview mirror. Week eight, NFL or week nine now? Excuse me, Matt. You want to go first? Or you want me to go first? Since we don't have a guest picker. Are we going? I'm going to make sure. Right? We're going NFL first, correct? Yes, NFL first. Okay. All right. No. I. Hey, look. I'm. I'm ready. I'm happy to go first. Uh, you know, I'd say pretty. Uh, pretty locked and loaded here this week. I, I'm feeling good about a lot of different games. Um. But this is the, uh, as you can see, maybe after last week, I shouldn't be as confident as I am. I'd like to to kind of go ahead and start with um, somehow the Monday night game. Patriots, Jets. It's a seven-point line. I'm wondering Pats why they on... made this 
Like, why did ESPN pick this as the Monday night game? They, we didn't think well, the Jets I'm, were going to be good. Yeah, but it's the New York market. You yeah, think maybe Sam fair. Donald. Uh, you know, they're, they're, and, and I think they want every team to be at least on one point in time. Every team to be, you know, kind of in, the in prime time. Yeah. Right. But it's even worse than I'm sure they even imagined when they they kind of said like, okay, I guess we'll do one. You know. Um, so, uh, look, the, the Patriots have really struggled recently. Two and five. Cam Newton hasn't looked good. Offense has been anemic. Defense been giving up points. They got the perfect medicine here in the Jets. Um, the Jets come in with less than somehow the Patriots have. It's a great opportunity for the Patriots to kind of reassert themselves and say, hey, we're not dead yet. I think Belichick gets the guys up for this one. Their defense comes together against a really bad Jets offense with with little talent. And, and I think the Pats cover that seven-point game. I know that's a lot, but I think the Pats cover. No, I like that pick a lot. I mean – I took Kansas City minus 19 and a half last week and it covered. The Jets are terrible. And you mentioned the perfect word for it. They're anemic. Their offense cannot get anything done. And yeah, they, they're just not, they're not figuring this thing out. And the, the Patriots, I feel like Belichick, this is like the classic turnaround week after a disappointing loss to the Bills. I know we, you, you had the Bills minus three and a half. And the Bills only won by three. But like, I feel like, you know, they had opportunities that wasn't the best Bills game we got out there. Their de- defense didn't look very good. The Patriots' offense didn't look much better. And, yeah, I just feel like Belichick, you know, turns a corner here with this team. I'm not saying they, they figure it out and, and somehow find their way on, on the cusp of making the playoffs by Week 16 uh, or Week 17. But, uh, yeah. So, my pick, I'm going to stick in the primetime slot. I'm going Tampa Bay minus 5.5. It's only because of the injury reports that we've seen and the fact that we're still not sure about Michael Thomas, what's happening there. Drew Brees is banged up and he hasn't been that great throughout this season. And that defense isn't very good. And we're starting to see this Tampa offense really click. And I think that's why it's placed at five and a half. It almost seems like a sucker bet to try to go after it because it's it's only a touchdown. And if Bruce Arians is feeling frisky, could try to go for two a couple times and really, really get get into the mix. Pretty interesting here, but I feel pretty confident in this team. I know they, they kept the Giants around. Their defense, you know, didn't look awesome. We were just talking about it against this this Giants team on Monday Night Football. But I feel like they can they can slow this team down. I know Alvin Kamara is still certainly a presence. Taysom Hill looked great last week against the Bears. That one touchdown catch he had where he, he just looked. You know, this guy is a trained quarterback, is in there on fucking punt blocks, and then is running, running a fucking crosser route and looking like T.O. So... I get that, but having said all that, the Tampa defense, I feel like, is in for a big week. I'm going Tampa Bay minus five and a half. Okay. that That's your – we're snaking, right? So you got another one after this, right? Or, so I was wondering that. Do you want to alternate or do you want to just do a snake draft? Yeah, we can, let's just – we can – let's alternate. That yeah, let's alternate. Okay, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. I'm going to go with – we're staying – we're literally almost going down the list here, but yeah. uh, this Dolphins-Arizona game. Oh, man. Yeah, in Arizona – Arizona coming off a bye, four-point um, line here. Now, look, the Dolphins are playing great defense. I wasn't overly impressed with them offensively. No. I didn't think Tua had that good of an opening game. I thought they got lucky with some serious turnovers by Jared Goff. Um, they lose Miles Gaskin. Matt Brito didn't practice today. Um, I don't know what they're going to have in the running back department now all of a sudden. And uh, they do trade, I believe, for a Chiefs fourth or fifth stringer, DeAndre Washington, a former Raider. Um, I'm telling you, I like the Cardinals here all the way. Um, you know, they have, they're so explosive offensively. The, they can, you know, 
I'm a big believer in what I'm seeing there. And defensively, they're not great, but they're playing a rookie quarterback who I don't think has been particularly overwhelmingly great. He, he didn't look in his first start. He didn't have the, the Joe Burrow moxie, the Justin Herbert charm with the arm strength. You know, I like Tua still. I don't know if he has the it factor. I'm not willing to. I'm not. I'm not willing to say he does. So I'm going Cardinals here all the way. No, I like that too. And I, I think Miami has looked very good at home. I feel like that's what we need to emphasize there. They're a very good home team. I think what may have plagued the Rams, and I feel like is, I feel like the Rams keep traveling east. But I think if the reverse is going to happen to the Dolphins here. So I, I like that a lot. Over under set at forty eight and a half. Vegas hates both of these defenses very clearly. Um, the only other game, a game that is higher than that, is Houston-Jacksonville, which I'm not touching, but it's, I find it comical that these two teams, both of which are just anemic in nature, it feels like, are you, the, the game between them, that normally you think of their good defensive players, it's set at 50 and a half. So that's, uh, I might just have to throw a little, you know, sprinkle a little money in there just to, uh, on this 50, 50, <laughs> 50 and a half line, just to, uh, you know, load up my phone at, you know, at the turn on Sunday at Tobacco Road. And see, like, all right, it's a good bet. Feel feel good about myself here. Um, but my second pick, we're coming to me. Uh, I'm going with the Washington football team. They're playing the Giants. I know that they uh, they played a very good and close game. Giants end up pulling it out for their only win of the of the year. I feel like the 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 football team remembers this very well. Their defense did not look very good against Daniel Jones. I know that they're, him and Darius Slayton are figuring something out. I know that Willie Gallman's been really good for the Giants, but I feel like that this is going to be a game It's going to be that's going to be ugly. And I feel like the football team steps up big here, and it's not just because I got their you know I picked up their defense. So I'm not feeling not feeling uh, excited about that. It's just one that I'm trying to I'm streaming bad offenses when I'm picking defenses at this point in fantasy, but nobody cares about fantasy. But I think the Giants played themselves last week by playing Tampa so close. Have a letdown. Football team wins this game at FedEx Field. Minus two and a half. Give it to me. Okay. I uh, I want to quickly state there's a chance earlier in our conversation I mentioned that, that the Cowboys were playing the Washington football team. Total mistake there on my part. So if I did mention that, I'm sorry. No, you, just um, meant, you mentioned that way, they could lose. I forgot who you said. They were, they're playing the Steelers. No idea. I don't know why I, I thought that. But um, I, will, I will recycle that. And just want to let everybody know. And I'm not touching that game yet. I'm thinking about it, but I'm not touching it yet. Um, I'd like to head to a really fascinating and important matchup this week. And that is the Baltimore Ravens coming off of their bye, traveling to Indianapolis to play. They're not off their bye. They played the Steelers last week. They played the Steelers last week. It looked like Lamar Jackson took a bye week with his (laughs) passing game. Um, Where my head went there. I'm all over the place. Let me reset. Gotcha. Baltimore Ravens lose to the Steelers. Not a great <laughs> look for them. Huge question marks now surrounding Lamar Jackson. And can he figure something out? Because quite frankly, there's a blueprint that's been set against yeah, him. We talked about this last is, week. The blueprint. Right. It is there. T- take away his ability to run. And he has yet to show the ability to consistently make plays from the pocket as a thrower. Now, Plenty of quarterbacks has happened to. My biggest example, I was not impressed with Russell Wilson early in his career. I thought he was only a quarterback that could throw on the run, and he has since he has since improved himself into the kind of quarterback that can throw out of the pocket. Um, and, and Lamar needs to do this. He also needs some help from his skill position players, right? 
Uh, Hollywood Brown is really not showing up. He's not a deep threat. This offense has deep threat ability. Um, they bring in Des Bryant, which shows you how desperate they are for any kind of talent on the outside. They still have a great tight end in Mark Andrews, but they lose Mark Ingram. They need J.K. Dobbins and Gus Edwards to step up. This defense is still really good. Uh, this is a really gritty Colts team, though. With uh, with, And I was going to pick them, except Jonathan Taylor really falling off a cliff right now. Um, he had a really rough week last week. There's no Marlon Mack to fall back on. T.Y. Hilton still not showing up for this team. Offensive weapons, not great for the Colts. Defense, super stellar. I know it's in Indianapolis. I just have a feeling that the Ravens come out and do enough to get this game done. It's a two-point line for the Ravens. I still think the Colts are a really good team, but I wouldn't. But I think they've got a couple little things to work out. I'd love to pick them here, but I just don't know if they have the offense to keep up against a great Ravens defense. Now, I think he will play. Marlon Humphrey, one of the good, very good Ravens corners, did test for COVID. They're still working on that. If he plays, it's a lock. Even if he doesn't play, you still have Jimmy Smith. You still have Marcus Peters. I still think that's enough to limit a a Philip Rivers-led offense with, along with their great pass rush defensively. So I think it's a really important game. It's going to show you what both teams have going on, but I'm sticking with the Colts. I'm sticking with the Ravens, excuse me. I like that. I like that pick a lot. Um, all right, with mine, this is going to be interesting. It's Thursday Night Football. The line is still on the board despite San Francisco shutting down the facilities today with COVID. Uh, Raheem Mostert – or no, no, it was um, Kendrick Bourne got – with tested positive for COVID. We don't really know what's going on with this 49ers team. We talked about them before their long history on, on Wikipedia, blah, blah, blah. Um, Packers though. Let's talk about them for a second. Lost to my nemesis, the Minnesota Vikings and Kirk cousins in kind of a weird game. They, I, I don't know what to think of this team. And I know they have a wacky, wacky running back situation with Jamal Williams hurt after, you know, kind of a weird game last week where he got hurt. And two weeks ago, he was really good. And we're not really sure what, what what's going on with, with the receivers and everything. But I don't want to be anywhere near this 49ers team. I think that the the Packers figure out something. They're definitely gonna win this game. I'm gonna I'm gonna say they cover it. Just because 49ers, we just don't know. We don't know what the hell's going on with our offense and all these different injuries on both sides of the ball. So I'm I'm gonna go with the Packers here. I feel like this is an Aaron Rodgers R E L A X game. He comes out. Lights up the lights up the game for his boys Troy and Joe because you know they love him. Packers minus six. Okay, I mean interesting how the mighty have fallen the 49ers. I know it's all a lot yeah, of it's injuries. It's not, it's not a, like yeah. a, it's not like the Falcons that year after they went to the NFC Championship game and then went like two and fourteen the next season. Yeah, I will say this: Garoppolo is a big question mark. They can get out of the deal, but I don't want to get into that. That's an off-season conversation to have. But he needs to come back healthy and play. Um, you know, I think pretty quickly there. Yes. Um, so my third, I believe, correct? Fourth yeah. pick. Fourth pick. Fourth pick. Oh, yeah, I just had three. Excuse me. Uh, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. Fourth pick, I think this is one of the easier picks this week. And I don't know why, because quite frankly, I've been talking about how I don't like this one team, but I think I don't like this other team even more. It's the Chicago Bears heading to Tennessee to take on the Titans. Ooh. Now, Bears defense, Bears defense, really good, really good. Titans offense, pretty good, not great. Titans got a little blitz last week by the Bengals. Taylor Lewan is out. Offensive line, a tad banged up. 
Titans defense needs to wake up as well. They just cut Vic Beasley. They're not pleased with their performance there. In comes the perfect team to bat match up against in the Chicago Bears. With an anemic offense, Nick Foles still under center. Mitch Trubisky, by the way, came in for one play and might be injured, which is wild with his throwing arm. Yes. Um, it's a six-point line. I think there's a ton of Derrick Henry coming directly at the uh, at the Bears. I don't think it's a high-scoring game, but I have so little faith in that Bears offense that I do think Tannehill, Henry, and Co. at home cover that six-point spread. Um, and it might be an interception, pick six kind of thing. I think the defense really shuts them down. I think they have enough offensive talent to get through. So I said it was pretty easy because that's how low I am in the Bears. I'll probably eat my own words here a little bit, but I'm taking the Titans. First time maybe all year I've I've comfortably felt comfortable picking the Titans. No, I like that. And uh I was looking at that game with some pause. That was gonna be maybe a late rounder for me if uh if it fell there. But okay. I don't know, it uh I think this game is, this is gonna be really low scoring, so that's the one thing giving me pause on whether or not I wanna go with Tennessee covering it, because it's either I don't know. We've seen some crazy shit. The Bears being able to figure it out and all this different stuff. Um, but good on you for jumping on it. I You mentioned this before. The Cowboys playing the Steelers. I'm jumping on the Steelers here. The Cowboys, I don't know what the fuck to think about their offense. I think Zeke is the only thing that they're going to try to get going through any sort of offensive semblance here. Um, and the Steelers defense is really fucking good. We talk about it every week. I know that that Big Ben has looked pretty good, and I'm not saying that he's gonna, you know, I'm not saying that don't want to. I feel like we normally say he's in for a down week, but the Cowboys' defense is atrocious. We can talk about how the Eagles looked against them in a little bit if we want to, but I feel like they light up the Cowboys here. I feel like we either see Chase Claypool or some other fucking wide receiver that they found probably playing, you know, down by one of the three rivers. That's just awesome because that's how good they are at finding wide receivers has an incredible day lights up this team i know it's 13 points i took a chance last week with the, with the chiefs playing a shitty team i'm gonna do it here with the steelers give me the pittsburgh steelers minus 13 and a half oh look, I, I looked at that game and i was close um my biggest concern is without knowing exactly who's a quarterback for dallas even though they're not big names you just never know who catches lightning in a bottle um but I do think the Steelers will win. I just it's a, it's a big spread. Um, but they're really talented, man. They're I don't know if I'd still consider them the best. I still think the Chiefs at the end of the day would be my pick. But the Steelers are showing us something. I'm with you though. Ben needs to show a little bit more consistency with all the weapons he has. Mm-hmm. Um, it would be nice to see them play a little bit better on the offensive side to kind of go ahead and help out this this very very good and daunting. Um, an intimidating Steelers defense, even without Devin Bush, who I think is a huge loss for them. But they're still coming with with a lot of pla- with a lot of uh, a lot of swag on the defensive side of the ball. Classic Pittsburgh defense right now. Yeah, um, absolutely. My f- final NFL pick, and there's some good games. It's a hard problem. We don't have a guess. It's not your, you know. We, do we say we're going seven or are we going five? We're, we're going doing seven. seven, right? Yeah, we're going seven. Okay, great. Then I can make sure I pick everything I want. I want to jump to. The battles of the L's. Las Vegas heading oh. to Los Angeles to play the Chargers. Damn it, I waited too long. Okay, good, because I love the Chargers here. I do too. You might... Oh, that's a okay. great pick. Love them. That is a great love pick. Them. They're a one-point favorite. This team has been really good offensively. Uh, they've managed through the Eckler injury. Justin Herbert is taking his lumps as a rookie. 
which is to be expected, but they have so much talent. Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, Hunter Henry, um, even Justin Jackson and, and Josh Kelly in the backfield can do some stuff for them. So I've been blown away with his play. And I think this defense has more to offer. They have the talent, right? You think of Bosa and Ingram um, and, and some of the linebacker play out there um, with uh, the rookie Brown out of Oklahoma. Oh, really good, really good Chargers team that's underperforming at two and five. I think their record is not indicative of how good they've played. I think the Raiders have a lackluster defense still. They've made some strides. I think Herbert can kind of expose that a little bit. Now, I do like this Raiders offense. I think they're better. I think Henry Ruggs unlocks something a little bit different for them. But I do think the Chargers have enough to take this one and win the game. Um, They found their guy. Herbert is their guy out there. I'm I'm convinced. I love him. Um, You know, and so another blow for the Raiders who are trying to battle for a wild card spot here. But I, I like the Chargers in this game. No, I love that pick, and I heard the stat on part of my take, Matt. Over the last five and a half years, since the start of 2015, the Chargers have 48 losses. Guess how many games, I guess how many of those were one-score games, one-score losses? So, how was it, 58 or 48? It's 48 losses. 53? 48 losses. 48 losses. How many of those and, and were by one score? Or 40. Less? 40. Yeah, it's close. You're close. You went over, but it's 36. Okay. It's a lot. It's amazing, man. Yeah. They don't lose by a lot. They don't lose by a lot. It's nuts. Um, all right, so I realize there are 14 games, so we are covering every single game here, which is good. Let's go. Um, I love it. So one of us is going to have to take the Detroit-Minnesota game. Um, I'm, I, I, I'm happy to take it when we get there. Let's yeah. see well, it. Let's, so let, yeah, let let's get there. Um, okay. But I'm going to go over to Seattle at Buffalo. This is a game that I that I also thought maybe I could could sneak away without having to address, but this is a game that's really interesting. Russell Wilson looks really good, and that offense is buzzing. We mentioned it; their defense not very good. Buffalo now in a, in a kind of a show me state. Do we need to see what they do? They did it against the Patriots, and they figured it out. Their defense didn't look great, which is why I like Seattle here. They are a road favorite coming east, and teams in the Josh Allen era have not traveled to Buffalo very well. But I like Seattle here. I think they're going to do pretty well. Three points seems a little low. I get it. They're coming east. It's an afternoon game. Blah, blah, blah. Time zones, all that crazy shit. But Russell Wilson seems to be immune to it. He comes east very well. Pete Carroll coaches this team well. And I I know their defense is not what it was. So this this could be an absolute shootout between two teams that you would never think will be involved in a shootout in the Seattle Seahawks and the Buffalo Bills. But here we are in 2020. Crazy shit happens. I'm going with the Seahawks here, minus three. And whether it's DK Metcalf or Tyler Lockett, one of them is going to have another monster game. Okay. Interesting. By the way, I do think the one thing people are forgetting about Seattle is they haven't had arguably the best safety in football in Jamal Adams. They Correct. do trade for Carlos Dunlap, which doesn't super fix everything, but it's an improvement. Oh, yeah, the trade um, deadline happened. Do you have any comments yeah. on the trade deadline? It was boring. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> Nah, which I kind of expected, yeah, by the way, I did because too. of the uncertainty next year with the cap situation. Teams aren't bringing in big contracts for the most part. So, um, yeah, I think it's an important game. You mentioned it for the Bills. They, they need to show us that they're for real. Um, Josh Allen has definitely kind of stumbled a little bit. So, um, you know, I think it's a major game for them there. I will I will go. I'm ready. Atlanta-Denver. Atlanta comes in as a four-point favorite, two and six. Denver, three and four. Drew Locke showed up a little bit. Last second win last week, like what I've seen from him to an extent. 
Um, but I actually love Atlanta in this game. Uh, I've been very – I still think they're the weird team that, that – they're kind of turning into the Chargers, by the way. So where they're losing these tight games over and over again, season after season after season. They're finding all different ways to win. Um, oh, I'm sorry, well, all different ways to lose. But they have so many weapons. Todd Gurley, Julio Jones, uh, if Calvin Ridley plays. Hayden Hurst is pretty good for them. Uh, and I, I don't know if I love Denver. I'm not in love with their defense. I think they've got some major holes, some due to injuries, some not. Uh, and I think Drew Locke is still really inconsistent. I'm not sure he's the answer there. And I don't know if they have enough weapons um, that, have, that have emerged. Jerry Judy looks good. KJ Hamler had a big catch last week. But I, I just don't know if they have everything that you're looking for yet. And I like Atlanta on the road against a young quarterback to cover uh, their four-point spread. Yeah, I like that pick. This is a uh... – it's a weird game. That's why I, I held off on it, but I, I'm glad you brought your astute knowledge to this game. Um, yeah, it's. I mean, you hit the nail on the head. They find different ways to lose each and every week. Do this, do the uh, Atlanta Falcons. But all right, so we we don't have a ton of games left. But huh, I'm gonna go. Man, we are uh, we're splitting a few hairs here, but I'm gonna go. Kansas City Chiefs against the Carolina Panthers. Christian McCaffrey looks like he's going to play, which I think adds an interesting wrinkle to this game. It's a 10.5 point spread for the Chiefs. And I'm still going with the Chiefs, even with a McCaffrey played game. I just think that Mahomes, until he has a really off week, you just have to think that he's going to stay this white hot and continue to just beat down on teams. Further, their defense and their special teams are also excellent in, in Kansas City. And yeah, it's just if they if even if Mahomes is a three touchdown game, which that's how good Patrick Mahomes has been. We're saying even if he only has a three touchdown game, you know, they just can step up big. So I I like KC here. I know that if this does turn into some sort of defensive slugfest where, you know, there there might not be a ton of touchdowns or anything, which is weird to say about Kansas City, that kind of bodes poorly for a ten point spread, but I don't know. I, I kind of need to see more out of this Carolina offense and see when they get back to it. I know they have a little bit of an extra break too. I haven't played on Thursday night football last week, but I, I kind of need to see a little bit more out of the rest of this offense between Robbie Anderson or DJ Moore or whomever, you know, I mean, I know a couple of their guys have looked pretty good, but I need to see more out of them to, to really think that they can keep it close with an elite caliber team like the Kansas city chiefs. Yeah, and there's still a lot of holes in the defense for uh, Carolina. They look like a classic 6-10 and 10 team, right? They're going to beat a couple teams they shouldn't beat. They're going to lose to a couple teams they shouldn't lose to. Um, but they still have more that they need to kind of uncover, and Matt Rule knows that. Um, so he'll kind of continue there um, yeah, with that. So interesting game, I really think. Um, kind of a fun game if you're a Kansas City fan. They just continue to rumble in the jungle. Uh, unreal. So I will go to – we have. did you touch the New York game? The, the Giants? Giants game? Yeah, I picked the red, or yeah. the, uh, the football team. I thought you did. Okay. I'm going to go Houston-Jacksonville for my last – no, wait. This is my last pick. This is your it? last pick. Okay, and then I'm not going to do that. I told you I'd take Detroit-Minnesota, and I will. I'll, I'll – let's have the conversation. So uh, Matt Stafford tested positive – or not – sorry, is in, is in COVID protocol. He was near somebody. Hasn't officially tested positive. He could play – as early as Saturday, as Sunday, he could play Sunday if he texts negative on Sunday. Um, that he's within the timeline. They're heading to Minnesota, who 
how they're two and five basically rests squarely on Kirk Cousins' shoulders because you got Thielen and Jefferson, you got Kyle Rudolph, and you got an unreal Dalvin Cook. Um, a defense that's that's still recovering from some large cap hits uh, and and some probably some poor drafting, especially at the cornerback position. Uh, Detroit kind of weird. Went a little bit of a hot streak, kind of cooled off last week. I think even with Stafford, I, I like I like Minnesota in this game. Their hu- offense is humming. I don't know if Detroit has the 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 talent to keep up if Dalvin Cook is healthy and doing what he's doing and that receiving core. I think Kirk Cousins has no choice but to turn it around. Um, and I think Detroit's kind of stuck offensively. I think it's time for them to move on from a couple guys, whether it be Marvin Jones, you know, Adrian Peterson. Let the young guys kind of roll there. I'm not sure they're doing that. And obviously, there's a huge question mark here. But I would take outright pick the Vikings in this game, mostly due to Dalvin Cook. Yeah, it's a uh, it's a weird game. Yeah, I, there's a reason why I didn't want to touch it. Uh, a lot of weird shit going on with uh, everything there. But you mentioned it. Dalvin Cook looked unreal. Um, I still do not like Kirk Cousins. I don't think that he is the answer for the Minnesota Vikings. Their defense, there's a lot of holes in it, but we don't know what's going on with Detroit. So I like the pick there. Are we just, should we just call it a pick em? For the purposes yeah. of, of it, yeah. All right, so min, min PK. Okay. Uh, all right, so the last game then for me is, yeah, Jacksonville uh, and Houston, which I mentioned before, I guess I am going to take this. Sprinkle a little money on this. It's going to be a high-scoring game. I'm going to go with the Texans here uh, just because on paper they should be a lot better than the Jacksonville Jaguars. The Jaguars, you know, we've been saying all year, trying to tank. They want to they want to try to get as good as they can. Minshew isn't playing or right he's still hurt yeah he still hurts to go with a rookie yeah. in this one um so yeah i don't even know much about him so i don't i don't know much about him either um so yeah i'm gonna go with the texans here i think they're they're a lot better than than one and six obviously they had a, a rough start to their season oh and four they lose the vikings and uh half the you know they fire bill o'brien but i just think i think that they're they're due for a big coming out game i don't know what the hell is gonna happen with jacksonville uh, so yeah, I'm gonna go Houston with my last pick there, minus six. I mean, Jacksonville is who we thought they were. Yeah, I, that's what I'm gonna say. People they are were bad. Yeah, yeah. So. so yeah, Houston minus six. Lock it in. Over to college, Maddie. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You up first. By the way, I wanted to quickly mention there's some two, a couple interesting teams that are currently ranked that I didn't want to miss out on mentioning. We forgot to bring them up, but that would be number 25 Liberty, six and zero. Kind of cool. We saw them and lose to Lehigh when they were still an FCS team. That's true, right? Come a long way. 2011, yeah. 16, nine years ago. 15 and fifteen and 16, Coastal Carolina and Marshall. Just always fun to see see some mid-majors that you don't normally see, you know, in the rankings. Um, I think well, Marshall that's, usually I think that's does this. Important. They start their year off with like a 7-0 record. They're hanging out there. But they're usually like one of the last non-Power 5 teams to lose a game. So they hang out there and then they go like, they end up at like ten and two and make a bowl game, but they lose like two of their last three games. So you're thinking like, oh, are they going to make the New Year's Six? And then boom, they're gone. Coastal Carolina, I've mentioned it a couple times. If you have not seen the segment on them that was done on College Game Day, you need to go check this thing out. It is awesome. You're you're going to want to go run through a wall for this team and become a fan of them. Really funky colors too, Matt. They have that kind of teal jersey. Uh, just a really cool story. So definitely go check that out. Yeah, uh, I can go first here. A uh, number of like kind of interesting games on the slate, uh, but I have decided that I I would like to pick the game of the week, and that's Clemson Notre Dame. I don't normally go for the big dog, but I'm gonna hear 
Clemson is a five-point favorite. I think that they win, but I think Notre Dame covers the five-point spread. I think it's a late field goal or touchdown by Clemson to give them a small win. I was That, that was where I was leaning with that game, too. I feel like this is going to be a lot closer. We're thinking, like, classic Notre Dame. They're in, they're undefeated, and they play a big-time team and, and fall by the wayside. But, no, this team, I think, is legit. Their defense is awesome. I like that pick a lot. Um, I, am, I mentioned it before uh, when we talked about the game. I'm taking Georgia minus three and a half. I just, I don't know. Florida just doesn't do it for me. You know, I think Georgia needs to show a lot of moxie and they need to figure out something. They need to figure out some good, something good to, you know, kind of recharge the season before they inevitably have to take on Alabama again in the uh, SEC championship game, assuming, you know, all goes well with the Crimson Tide, which it looks like it's going to. I don't think Auburn's going to have that surprise Iron Bowl win or anything like that. I feel like, uh, you know, you can't put it on cruise control, especially in a weird COVID year, but Alabama can do that. And I feel like Georgia knows that it needs to step up big. Their defense, I feel like in a defensive struggle, they can they can really uh, put the clamps on the Gators. Hey. <laughs> I like that line. That's pretty good. Yeah. Um, I hope to pick the two biggest games, by the way. That's good. Yeah, I, I, it is one. You know, obviously you and I like to try to go like, a little bit down the board to, to give give a little uh, a little love to the rest of the, the slate. Like I don't know, I almost I was looking kind of at that that West Virginia Texas game. I, you know, I don't trust Texas. Um, I almost want them to go like, oh, Pac 12s back. Let's go with the Pac 12 game. But I have no idea what to think except for that Oregon should be good. Like I don't know. Like I almost want to say take Arizona State plus ten and a half because we don't know about USC. But I don't know. I stuck away, st- stood away, stayed away. What English was that? Not English. I don't know. It counts. It was enough words. Yeah. Word counts high. English teacher will be happy. <laughs> but yeah, that's picks. So we covered every NFL game. Are there, mm-hmm. do you want to talk about the Eagles Cowboys game and what we saw since they're on their bye week? Figure out what's going on with this team. Yeah. I mean, they got lucky, but that's part of football. They played a really bad Cowboys team. Their defense did play great, by the way. Um, even against a limited Cowboys offense, they shut down. The you know the the talented wide receivers of the Cowboys. They made sure Zeke didn't get anywhere. You know Carson wasn't great. He made a lot of mistakes, but a win is a win, and you know we can go from there. And they're going to have to play the Giants again, I believe, when they come off of um, you know come off of their bye. Gives Dallas Goddard a little bit of time to get healthier because he really wasn't even involved last week. And maybe you get Miles Sanders back because as much as I've appreciated Boston Scott's contributions, he's not a starter in this league. So. Um, I'm just chalking it up to wins a win against a division rival. Yeah, a couple big mistakes by Carson. He just got to stop. You know, He's pick, the, the first pick to tra- well, the first pick to Trayvon Diggs was an incredible individual play by Diggs. He it thought was. he put the ball in a place that only his receiver could catch it, and then Trayvon made an incredible catch. Yeah, I'm not really upset with that one. But the one fumble as he's falling backwards is horrendous, and the the the, the jump ball to Hightower. I don't mind you throwing a jump ball, by the way, to Fulgham. Yeah. Or Alshon, if he's ever healthy, or Dallas Goddard, but Hightower's not that guy. No. Um, and that was a mistake to me, and, and it was just clearly not even a good decision. Although, again, I'd rather you throw that than fumble while falling backwards. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. The, so both of the both the fumbles is where I was more pissed off. The picks, I get it. The first one, like you mentioned, it's he tried to put it there. We don't know what the wind was like and, and pushing it around and all that stuff. I know Chris Collinsworth was really harping it. I don't know if he was getting blown, wind was blowing in his face or whatnot, but he really was harping the wind. But uh, 
Yeah, both picks. I, I don't know. I mean, I don't know why you're throwing the, the Nick Foles type super bomb that we saw him do to Alshon in the Super Bowl. And we've seen him do it however many times, including last week with the Bears. Um, yeah, I, I don't know why you're trying to throw that in a wacky, windy game and all this sort of stuff and not doing these check down plays that he'd been doing all year. Um, and I get it. Like, you weren't really getting a lot of other guys involved. Fulgham ends up coming alive and, and really helped mm-hmm. save the team. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, the two fumbles, learn to throw it away, man. You got to fucking figure it out. Because you, the, the second one, especially, where he's. He gets out of the pocket. It looks like he's either going to do the classic Carson, maybe gets two yards out of the deal, and then turns around and he's turning weird. I don't know. He needs to figure out. I'm not on the the Sidham train. I know a lot of people are freaking out about it. I think that's stupid. You know, Jalen Hurts has been good as that Taysom Hill type player and coming in for certain plays. I don't think that if you give him the keys to the Ferrari that he's going to be able to make this thing work. I don't think that's the difference. There's a lot of different injuries. Of course, we see Jason Peters get hurt when he'd been healthy for what seemed like five minutes. And, yeah, I I just think that uh, offensively, we just kind of have to, you know, put our nose to the grindstone with this season and just keep plugging away at it. Really good call by you on uh, Boston Scott. We need, we need Miles Sanders to come back. I don't know what the deal with Corey Clement is of why he isn't back to what we saw from – the player they found three or four years ago when he was a rookie and, you know, in that Super Bowl run. I don't know if he's still banged up or what it is or Doug doesn't want to use him or, or what it is, but I'd like to see him get used a little more. I know he's not that much of a difference between the Boston Scots and Miles Sanders of the world, but I think that helps, you know, if you can get him a little more involved in the running game. And then, yeah, you know, yeah. I would have liked to see more out of Dallas Goddard. I know he just came back, but I don't know. I feel like Carson loves using Zach Ertz, and he does like using Dallas Goddard as well. So I, I would like to see more of that. Yeah. I mean, you know what? We're leading the division. All you gotta do is get to the dance and hope to people play a little bit better, but we'll kind of go from there with it. Um, yeah. you know, and, and figure it out. Yeah. So we, we didn't really talk about this yet, but the fact that the NFL is debating adding a 16th or 15th and 16th team. I don't know if I like that. I lo- I'm kind of on board with the, the 15, which I think is an interesting, you know, it's a good ad and, um, or I guess, no, 13 and 14, seven teams per. You know, it's a good ad and it gives a much higher premium on being the best um, versus one and two and, and that, you know, you know, happenstance with everything there. I don't know if I like this 16. I get it. COVID's kind of a weird year. Um, so, you know, let's try to test out whatever we can. Baseball did it, blah, 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 blah. Um, but I don't know. I'm not a huge fan of it. And I know... Uh, yeah, obviously, no matter what, the Eagles aren't aren't going after the one seed in the NFC. But I don't know. It just, there's something about the bye week or the bye out of the wild card week for those top teams that does feel good. I know there's that's not the best analysis, but it does feel it feels like there's more there that there's more happenstance around winning your division and, and being that good of a team. It really separates the men from the boys. Yeah. And, and it's why we all, when I always talk about picks, I talk about divisional games being challenging to decide because those teams see each other. They know each other's game plans, they know each other's players, coaches to a better extent. Um, and it's a big deal to win your division because it means, you know, you usually win your division by beating your divisional opponents, no matter how bad they are. And you can complain the AFC East hasn't been good during the Patriots dynasty, but the Patriots consistently beat up on 
the Jets and the Bills and the and the Dolphins who tried desperately to directly match against the Patriots and couldn't do it. So, you know, you know, part of that, you know, and that's why winning your division to me is is still I still think it's really important. I think I, I love that they do it. And, you know, at the end of the day, if does that mean that a team that maybe you think is more deserving doesn't get it? Sure, but honestly they, they should have won a game. But well, one more, you know, and maybe they should have won their division or made the wild card. Um you know, I, I think is important. So yeah. I, that's why I'm a fan of the division. And I like, I like the way they have it set up. Yeah. I I've said this a few times. And I think the way the NFL does their playoffs, it makes sense that the division winners, I don't know necessarily about getting a home game, but making the playoffs because of the fact that you play your division six of 16 times. So it's so skewed towards there that you should be rewarded for it. Uh, I know they don't do division record versus conference record versus all league record, like college does, because it would be you know four, you'd be six games, twelve games, and then the the other four non-conference games. But I don't know. There is something to be said of that. You played six games against three opponents, and there's a concentration fact into that. So you should be rewarded for that, even if it's just a shitty year. Everybody finds that the NFC West, one of the best divisions of football now. Ten years ago, Seattle Seahawks were seven and nine, and ended up beating the the New Orleans Saints, who were coming off of a Super Bowl championship. So. Like you said, get to the answer. You don't know what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Um, and that's what makes it fun. We've had plenty of six seeds and wild cards win the Super Bowl. Great, the Giants, both happen. of theirs. Or no, they won the division mm-hmm. when they. Uh, I think they won the division when they upset the the Patriots the sixteen and zero year. But um, the second one, they were the six seed. Right. Exactly. But yeah. Uh, anything else before we wrap this up? I know uh, we're a week away from the Masters. We got the Houston Open this weekend, which is exciting. Um, you know, so we're close. We're almost there. Yeah. No, it's really everything I had. I I, I enjoyed the, the football conversation tonight. Um, I'm all in. Got to get some fantasy things right. But overall, um, you know, excited for um, another big weekend of football where I get to sit and watch Red Zone and not stress, like I said before. So um, ready to get to the weekend already. Let's yeah, go. Yeah, <laughs> I got to say, you mentioned Red Zone. Watching it this past Sunday without having to worry about the Eagles, just so nice. Yeah, I know, obviously, they're on Sunday yeah. Night Football. But it's just so nice of, like, you just sit there, have your fantasy team up, crack a beer, and relax. Maybe take a little snooze during the uh, second half of the early afternoon games. It's great. Yeah. But anyway, that'll do it. Um, Matt, we might get an NBA season, it looks like, or the announcement of one soon. We should mention that at the very end of this. Um, I mean, that would be great. I, I hope we do. they got to figure some few things out, but um, it'll be nice December 1st, I think I saw, as a potential start date for training camp. But, yeah. Um, well, it was hopefully nice we see that. Because they announced it like two weeks ago when the World Series was happening. And then Adam Silver came out like two days ago being like, oh, we're running out of time. I don't know if it's going to happen. And I just got an alert. It looks like the the league and the union are about to strike a deal. Good PR. Which, yeah. Which Good PR move by Silver. Put it back in the hands of the union to get it done. So yeah. I like it, man. I want all the sports to hopefully come back and kind of reset our schedules as we move forward. Yeah, it'd be nice. I uh, mentioned it with hockey that they'll, they'll be 2021 and it'll probably be like a 50-game season we'll be happy and go forward with that but i don't know it'll be fun but that's gonna do it with this week's episode matt thank you as always this was a blast of course man it was a great time oh yeah everybody make sure you follow the thunder blog search the bullpen card on itunes stitcher spotify wherever you get your podcast thunderblogsports.com where eventually matt and i'll write a blog uh we have not written one in a while but the show notes will go up and all that good stuff thunderblg on twitter thunderblog sports on instagram Follow along as I go explore some golf courses in North Carolina this weekend. And join our Facebook group. I forgot to post up the questions once again, but 
it's a, uh, a good place to be a part of the conversation and all that good stuff. But for my man, Matty D, I am the G-Man. Have a great weekend, everybody. And fly, Eagles, fly. They're not losing this.